My mind rebels at stagnation. Give me problems. Give me work. Give me the most abstruse cryptogram or the most intricate analysis, and I am in my own proper atmosphere. But I abhor the dull routine of existence. I crave for mental exaltation. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Hosted by Dan Mickle and brought to you by Soul Performance Academy. This is the podcast that answers your questions on mental performance training and takes a deeper dive into the world of performance psychology. You can reach us at podcast at properatmosphere.com or across all social media at 717soul. We look forward to hearing from you and now on to the show. Hello and welcome to the Proper Atmosphere presented by Soul Performance Academy. I am your host, Dan Mickle, and I am glad that you can join us for this week's podcast. This week's podcast question comes from Carl in Arizona, and he asks, My son wants to start visualization but doesn't even know where to begin. Can you give us some starting tips? Well, Carl, we can help you out. That's what this podcast is about, and we are going to look at imagery and visualization For those of you new to my methods and my podcasts, I sometimes interchange them, although I do prefer the term visualization over imagery. So what can we do to begin the process of visualization in our youth athletes or even our higher end athletes or performers or workers who have actually never done any sort of visualization before? And the key really is you have to start out relaxed. And that is why in all my programs and with my clients, the very first thing that we work on is relaxation and breathing. Because if you're not in a relaxed state, it's going to be a lot harder to work on some of these skills. So I would suggest by finding a quiet place, sort of secluded, and go through a couple sessions of cycle breathing Uh, progressive muscle relaxation, anything that can kind of get you kind of calmed down and ready to begin this whole process. Now, when it comes to the keys of visualization or, or the main points that I like to look at, other than the relaxed state, the other two that we want to look at are using all the senses. And that's where it's tough, right? We are really, really good at being able to use some of the senses like obviously sight and um, sound. But when it comes to visualization, sometimes we fall short and forget about things such as touch, smell, and taste. And those are all senses that we really do need to bring into the entire uh, practice of visualization. Because the more vivid and the more lifelike and real that we can make our visualization, the more we're going to trick the brain into thinking that we're doing it. And that's kind of what works on the whole myelin and the central nervous system and how we activate our muscles um, 
Some people like to use the term muscle memory, which I personally don't like using, but that's, that's the key to it. We need to trick the brain into thinking that we're actually doing the activity that we're visualizing. And then the other aspect is practice makes perfect. This is not going to be a very easy one and done type situation. This is going to take repetitive usage, repetitive working, repetitive learning, and we just need to really dig into continually getting better at the practice. The next big thing that you need to look at is then going to be what type of visualization are you going to look at? And there's three areas that I like to focus on. The first one is object imagery. Are we going to, you know, really visualize an object like a sneaker or a basketball or something that we desire? And this is usually the method that I start out with because it's a lot easier to work on visualization with a single object before we start to look at outcomes and processes and some of the other things that we want to bring into it. So I will have a client maybe tell me and visualize to me their favorite pair of sneakers, for example. And they'll usually hit the key components. You know, they're, they're flexible, they're soft leather, they're white. Um, but, but then it goes back to, we need to add into it. You know, what do they smell like? What do they actually feel like in your hand? Obviously, I'm not going to ask you to lick your sneaker and find out what they taste like. So we can kind of skip it on that one. But we really want to get into the detail. We don't want to skip the little things because it's the little things that will help trigger the brain as to thinking, oh, wait, we're actually looking at this. It's not a fake mental image. So we want to really deep dive, you know, are the soles worn? Are the holes where the laces go through torn? How dirty are there? Are there any distinguishable marks on the shoes? You know, and keep going down through the list. Once I feel that the client is good at doing basic object visualization, that's when we start to look at the process visualization. And that's really when we break down a skill. For example, shooting a free throw or serving a volleyball or kicking a football. We want to visualize those steps. And depending on the skill and how complex it is, we'll break it up. Um, for, the, for the three throw, we might break the pre-shot routine up and then the actual mechanics of the shot and then the follow-through and post-shot visualization. But again, the key is we want to know what does the ball feel like in your hand? What's the air like in the gym? Is there a smell? Can you taste the air? You know, sometimes you can go into the gym and there's just that taste that it puts. Or when you're outside, you get that kind of taste. Maybe you're near the ocean, you get a little bit of a salty taste in your mouth. Those are all things that we want to bring into it. What's the temperature like? Is the sweat running down your body? What's the noise level? Is it quiet? Is, is the whole arena quiet while you're shooting a three throw? Or maybe you're in a practice and you're, you're completely by yourself. How are you visualizing that? And then continuing, how's the ball feel? Is it heavy? Does it slip through your left hand? Do you snap the wrist after you shoot them and have a follow through and do you hold it? And we continue on through that whole process. And we continue to, again, redefine that and practice it. We'll go over and over and over that process in our mind and we'll keep adding little details to it. Because again, the more vivid we make it, the more the mind thinks that we're actually doing it and feels like we're actually practicing it. We can also start to do game planning. Maybe certain defenses or offenses were running off of a play 
And that's where we start to visualize where everyone is doing around us, what we're going to do on this play. And we just go through the nuts and bolts and the, you know, the tactics of that situation and really work on it. And then the last type of visualization that we do is outcome visualization or imagery. And that's where we, okay, I'm serving this ball for a point. And we're actually doing the visualization. We're not just focused on the technique like we were previously. We're also focusing on the outcome and doing it correctly. And obviously, as you can guess, if we're going to practice doing this correctly, we need to make sure that we don't visualize practicing it incorrectly. One of the great examples of outcome imagery is when we're returning an athlete back from injury, maybe he or she cannot get on the court yet, but we can have them visualize some of the skills that they were doing prior to the imagery. And that's going to help them reactivate those nervous systems and muscles that were used in that activity. So they can go through the process of a breakaway layup, even though they're not actually running on the court at this moment. The brain's going to think about it and the brain's going to act like it and again, activate those muscles. And while it isn't the same outcome as physically practicing it, it has great strides in helping kind of bridge that gap between where we're at. So again, when we actually start the process, we start with an object, a sneaker, a ball, and then we work our way up into the process, how we use that object, how we use that ball, or how we want to do a, a certain skill or activity in our sport, or how we want to perform uh, musically or a dance routine if we're a performer. And then we also, once we get proficient at both of those, the object and the process, then we look at the outcome. Okay, this is what a perfect dance routine looks like, or this is what a perfect piano recital looks like. This is what me making my three throws are right, or serving a tennis ball and hitting a golf ball. And the uses are really endless, but the key is we have to not skip the little stuff. And that's kind of why I don't like doing self-guided visualization imagery because I like having someone there listening and helping guide if they start to miss the small stuff. Because again, the key is we're trying to make it as lifelike as possible to trick the brain. The last three concepts I want to talk about in this episode then are how do we mentally view going through those? Uh, processes and outcomes when we're doing a visualization. And there's really two key ways to look at it. First and third person. First person is you're going to visualize it as if it's you, you're doing it, you're seeing it through your eyes. But some people like to do it as a third person, almost like there's a camera crew following you around, or you're watching yourself perform on television. Scientifically, there really isn't much difference between which way you do it but people definitely have a preference on which way they do it. So I would suggest trying it both ways and seeing which way is comfortable. You know, when I used to work in the run department at a ski slope and snowboarding was just becoming popular, people didn't know if they were regular or goofy footed, left foot or right foot forward when they snowboard. So one of the ways that we did it was we would push them 
like gently on the back, obviously not shoving them, but you know, gently push them and whichever foot they step forward with to catch themselves, that's the foot that we would put forward and we would have them try it. That, that was probably about a 90% success rate on figuring that out. But the key was they would go out and try it. And if they didn't like it, we'd switch the bindings and then they would go left foot forward. And that's kind of how you have to do imagery and visualization. I want you to go ahead and try it both ways. Try it as the first person and then maybe go back and try it as a third person and see which one feels more realistic to you, which one you're going to get more benefit out of. And it doesn't always have to be the same. For example, you could do your process visualization in the first person. So it feels like you're shooting and you're paying attention to all the things like are your elbows in or out, what your rest, your, your wrist, you know, angles are right. And then maybe when you go to outcome or tactics and you're looking at the big game plan, how to win or, you know, scoring a goal, maybe that's how you do it third person because then you get a broader view of what's going on with everything and the small part that you play in that entire situation. So those are really the, the big, you know, methods, whether we're doing objects, processes, or outcomes when we do the visualization and imagery. The last one I want to talk about is probably my favorite, and this goes a little bit more towards the relaxation component than it does for increased skill acquisition or retaining skill. And I like to call this happy place visualization. And I ask clients to think of, hey, what's your happiest place? If I said you're really stressed out and you need to go to your happy place, where do you go? And someone may say um, our beach house, no matter what, how level I'm stressed or upset or angry when I'm at my beach house, I feel better. So we'll walk through a visualization of the beach house and that moment. And, and it could be just being at the beach house or it could be something like a bonfire at the beach house. You know, it's, it's up to the client and what makes them really happy for this example we'll say it's just the beach house. So I'll ask them to describe it and you know, it'll, It'll usually start out the same way. The house is yellow, three stories, a bunch of windows, sunlight comes through. But but then we dive deeper. Well, what's it smell like? Well, there's some ocean, so I can smell the salt water, and we're near the popcorn place, so I can smell caramel from the popcorn and the boardwalk coming up. It's dry. It's, it's a very dry heat, and my skin, the air conditioning is usually on, so it's, it's nice and comfortable. It's not too cold. It's not too hot. And we go down through it and we'll, we'll name it something. So for this instance, we'll just call it beach house. And what happens is we keep practicing this visualization and remembering the place that makes us happy. And our brain will start to send all the chemicals through the body to relax us and kind of get out of any fight or flight mode and get us more into rest and digest mode and calm us down. Our breathing will get a little bit deeper and more rhythmic and not so sporadic because we're thinking of our happy place. So the cool part is we continue to think of the happy place and we work on it. And it gets to the point that we become so proficient in the visualization of the happy place that as soon as we even mention it or start to think of it, the body tries to become more efficient and the mind is like, oh, hey, we're doing the, the calm down visualization, so let's just get it going. And it starts to you know, shoot all the chemicals through the body and relax things and, and get things going. So what happens is when we're in a pressure situation like a game, we can just begin to think about our happy place or like that beach house 
And we don't have to go through a whole long visualization process, but the body starts to take care of itself and starts to calm itself down. So there's times that I'll literally just say to a player, hey, go to your happy place or go to the beach house, go to the bonfire, go to your bedroom, you know, whatever makes them comfortable. And it's a very quick way to calm a player down because the brain already knows the routine and it starts to do it. And it's also a great way in a heated moment, like you're going back to serve or you're walking up that line to shoot a free throw to go happy place, you know, go into my happy place, go to my happy place. And the body just starts to calm itself down. Now, obviously it won't calm the whole way down. Like if you were doing a full, you know, half hour visualization, but it is a very efficient and quick way to get to a better place physically and mentally in high stress situations. So as we end this episode, I just kind of want to end on the keynote that it's going to take a lot of time and practice. You'll get some of it right away, but it's not like riding a bike where you could just pick it up right away. Um, after you kind of stop doing it, it's something that you want to add into your daily, if not weekly practice, just to make sure that you stay fresh with it, whether it's a skill that you're working on or whether it's your happy place for me. And when we go through, you know, the program at soul performance Academy, I like to have them do it at least three times a week. So it's part of their homework every week, three times a week, they have to do about a 20 to 30 minute visualization of their happy place. That way it just keeps on, you know, getting stronger and more vivid and, and, and has better results. The other thing is you have to be aware, make sure that you're not training bad habits. Don't let those bad habits creep into your visualization. Just stop it. Don't sit there and think, okay, well, I'm going to think about what I'm doing wrong so I can fix it. Visualize doing it correctly and doing it right every time. But you also have to make sure that you're visualizing doing it within your ability. If you're not an all state server, then don't try and visualize that all state serve work up to it. I'm not saying eventually you can't get to that point, but don't try to make that Trump that, that jump and, and try and make it this, you know, great skill acquisition when you can't physically do it. You're going to have a hard time that way. All right, Carl, I hope that answers your question, gives you a good starting point for your son. So again, just to kind of recap the keys to visualization and imagery is we want to be in a relaxed state before we begin. We want to use all the possible senses that we can when we're making that mental image in our mind in that scenario. And practice makes perfect. We have to make sure that we continue to practice it. There's three key ways that we do visualization. Object where we're just kind of looking at a ball, a court, a sneaker, a pickle, something we want to eat, and we're just working on the skills to visualize what that is. Then we have the process visualization, which is usually our technique or our strategy or a game plan, how we're actually doing a skill. And then we have the outcome visualization, which is how we win reaching our goals and visualizing the big picture, maybe your small part in a much bigger picture. We could do it in first person, third person, and lastly, work on that happy place visualization. If you're listening to this podcast and you're looking for plans of action, I would suggest try one week of doing object visualization. Pick an object, whether it's a table, a shirt, sneakers, something that you know is a, a, a pretty stagnant object that you can focus on and work and see if you can bring all the senses into describing that. Then after that week, then 
move to your happy place and start working on your happy place. I think if you can get to your happy place and work on that visualization before you start working on your skills for your specific sport or your performing art or your work task, you're going to be in a better place. I, I really do think that the, the happy place and the relaxation visualization is a key component to everything you do even beyond visualization. So again, everyone, thank you so much for tuning into The Proper Atmosphere. This was episode three on visualization. Again, thank you, Carl, for sending in the question from Arizona. I hope that helps you out. And anyone that's interested, make sure you check out campus.soulperformancecounty.com for all our online classes. We just have launched our eight-week Mental Skills Training Program, and visualization and imagery is a huge part of that. Self-paced eight-week program. Um... It's on sale currently until mid-July 2021 for $50. Then it goes back up the full price, $150. Still can't beat that. Eight weeks of training, $150. Lifetime access plus updates and a bazillion different add-ons and bonuses that come with that. Check it out, campus.soulperformanceacademy.com. Again, thank you for tuning in to The Proper Atmosphere. I'm your host, Dan Mickle, and I can't wait to... Uh, answer some more questions next week and get some more information out to you. Thanks and have a great week. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Proper Atmosphere, hosted by Dan Mickle and presented by Soul Performance Academy. Please send all your questions, comments, or inquiries to podcast at properatmosphere.com or reach out to us across all social media at 717soul. We look forward to answering your questions in future episodes. And remember, you can listen to The Proper Atmosphere on any popular podcast service such as Google Play, iTunes, Pandora, and Spotify. Thank you and have a great day.